Welcome to our midweek Bible study here at Celebration Church. Say hi to all our people over at the campuses in uh, Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as the thousands of people who uh, watch this thing all over the world. It's, it's encouraging to see the numbers. I, I don't know how many people actually watch how much of it, we don't know, but we'll get anywhere from 7,000 to 10,000 views a week from the Bible study. We get comments from people all around all, the globe who make comments, and it's, uh, it's wonderful and uh, encouraging to hear that. We can bless other people. We are in uh, the New Testament. We're going through the New Testament in order, the order that it was written. Uh, The Bible, for some bizarre reason, and I don't know what the reason is. I guess I could study, but who cares? But uh, for some bizarre reason, uh, it's not in order. If you read the Old Testament, the first five, six books or whatever are in order, and then it starts jumping all over the place. And if you just try to read it straight through, it gets really confusing. Put it in order, it makes a lot more sense. New Testament's a lot easier to understand and it's not nearly as confusing. The first five books as well start out in order and then after that it jumps all over the place. So we're trying to put it in the order that is written. We're going through the book of Acts. Everywhere in the book of Acts where uh, Bible scholars believe this is where Paul wrote this letter or that letter, these epistles, then we go to that letter and read it. Paul is on his third missionary journey now getting ready to wrap things up. He has made it back to Corinth. While he's in Corinth, uh, he writes this letter over to the Roman church, which is really rather interesting because Rome, you know, we're really talking now, this is a far, far, far away from the uh, Jerusalem church. Of course, Jewish culture is all over the world. And, uh, but you would think primarily the church here would be made up predominantly of uh, Gentiles, and I, I presume it was, but a lot of the book of Romans, the letter of the Romans, Paul spends writing to Jewish Christians to try and explain things to them. So we just finished the section in Romans where in his letter he goes through to try and really explain and even says, I'm writing, talking to the Jews. He was specific about that. We're talking to Jewish Christians here. And he starts to explain where the nation of Israel is that. In other words, all their lives they were raised, were the chosen people. God gave us Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, all the promises. Moses comes, gives us the law of Moses, all this history. They got thousands of years of history. And the Messiah comes, and by and large, the Jewish nation has rejected the message of Jesus. Uh, they have not, but then it messes with them. Now, what, what happens now? I mean, now we're saved. What about this whole chosen people thing, you know? And So he tries to explain to them that God is not done with the nation and God is doing this period where he's reaching out to the Gentile church. And he starts talking about uh, God's predestined plan and also talking about choice and all this stuff. Um, Again, he's talking to Jewish Christians. What's ironic is Gentile Christians have been fighting about these portions of scripture for hundreds of years, all right? About predestination. What is a predestination? How much is free will? And, you know, and then they get all nuts and stuff. I think really they should just mind their own business because it was written to them. I, I think if Paul would have had any idea that his writings in those few chapters would make a bunch of Gentile Christians go at each other's throats, uh, he would be highly disturbed. 
And that historically what is what had happened ever since John Calvin came along. He started the whole Calvinism thing, predestination, and those who don't like him, and he didn't like them, and people were, you know, arresting each other and killing each other. And yeah, that's real Christianity. You know, if you don't agree, just go to another church. <laughs> don't, don't hang me, right? I mean, it's, so it just got nuts. And, uh, and even to this day, people still argue. The good news is people, Christians aren't nearly as insane as they were back in those days. I don't know. There's lots of historical reasons. A lot of ignorance at the time. People were not that literate. Uh, and, you know, they would just listen to whatever, whatever preacher told them. They'd get in a lather about it. Uh, that's why I always encourage people, don't just believe everything some preacher tells you because he says, this is what the Bible says, including me. Go check it out for yourself, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, and learn the scriptures. And if things don't quite ring true, then, you know, come talk to me or whoever you're listening to and um, try and get clarity and stuff like that. So anyway, thankfully, we're <laughs> we have completed that part. And now we're getting into the parts of the uh, letter that, obviously, I, my thing that I key off the most of is the teachings on practical Christianity. Why people argue about stupid stuff makes me crazy. Who cares? It's just, who cares? It doesn't change anything. You know, to argue about one thing or the other, just because you argue A doesn't, what if it's B? Then what? And if it's B, but then it turns out to be A? Who cares? Anyway, something like this drives me crazy, and that's a short drive. So I try to skip over as much of that as I can. But then we get into um, practical Christianity, chapter 12 of, of this letter, and he starts talking about, and I love this section uh, back in, uh, where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Verse 6, 12, 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraged, Give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do diligently. Uh, if it's a show of mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I, I kind of just went over that quickly. Uh, there's guys who will take that sec those few verses and teach really in-depth of what every one of those things means. That's fine. I'm not inclined to do that. I don't think that's the point of what he's writing. The point of what he's writing is do it. Do it, right? That's what he's saying. If your gift is to prophesy, prophesy. Well, my gift is serving. Then serve. Zip it. Okay? If it's teaching, then teach. If it's giving, then give. If it's to lead, lead. If it's to show mercy, do it, he's saying. Just do it. That's what I think the emphasis is there. Don't go around blathering about what you think your gift is. And a lot of guys, they don't even do their gift because they're waiting for others to recognize their gift. You've seen this, right? My gift is, you know, edification. I'm an edifier. Which most people don't even know what that word means anymore. It means to encourage, to build up. Well, why aren't you doing it? Well, I'm just waiting. The church hasn't recognized my gift yet. I'm still waiting for them to anoint me as the edification leader of the church. Really? Shut up. You know, just, just do it. Well, the pastor hasn't recognized it. Well, either the pastor doesn't see it or he's clueless. Or what do you care? You don't need to have a big, you know, sign over your head. I'm the teacher. 
I'm the giver. That's my job. I give around here. Praise God. I got lots of money. You know, you know just, just whatever God's called you to do, do it, is what he's trying to say. All right. So we'll pick it up where we left off now, verse 9. And uh, he goes through a bunch of really short uh, phrases here. And uh, we'll read it in the uh, Amplified, or not the Amplified, but the, the, whatever this is, NIV, a new international version of the Bible, which is what we usually use. But then I'm going to also read it to you in the Amplified version. Now, if you really want to look and really try and understand portions of the scripture, uh, look at the Amplified version. Almost every app that has Bible apps, you can click and you can get the Amplified version. It'll cost you what? 99 cents or something. It'll be so cheap, get it. But anyway, uh, or you can go buy an Amplified Bible. It's a big yo mama Bible. Because what they do, uh, they use every conceivable English word and phrase that is available to us to try and clarify the meaning of the original writing. So it's not the kind of version you want to sit there and just read all day long. <laughs> you go, say, uh, but it's great if you run across, man, I wonder what that really means. Flip over to the Amplified or get your Amplified Bible and, and just look at it and you'll see because you have to understand, uh, translating from one language to another is not as easy as you think. It's not anyone who's remotely bilingual understands that. There's phrases in Spanish, right, that you can do your best to translate, but it's never the same, Okay. And, uh, and English back to Spanish, that, that alone. And, and there's people who speak multiple languages, you know, five, six, seven languages, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. To take a phrase and translate it is a bit challenging. Now, these are highly educated men and women who are the best translators on God's earth that work on these translations. But language is constantly changing. That's why you have these updated translations because the English language kind of changes and phrases change. For example, edification. Uh, do you feel edified? <laughs> what does that mean? All right. Well, nobody uses that word anymore. So do you feel encouraged? Oh, yeah, that I get, right? So, uh, so now add to that phrases and words that were written, in some cases, thousands of years ago. The beauty of what we have available to us, I mean, there's no reason to be biblically ignorant, is there's so many materials made available to us to truly understand what these phrases are, okay? So that's what we're going to go through. And again, this is the part of the Bible, these kinds of things is what I try to focus on because I don't understand the stupid arguments. Even the stupid arguments I understand, I just think are stupid and I don't get into them. And I get, I get stuck, I'm stuck just on the next phrase. Love must be sincere. Ouch. What does that mean? It's got to be real. What does the Amplified Version says? Let your love be sincere, a real thing. What does that mean? Love can be insincere. There is a phony version of love. And nobody's better than that than evangelical Christians. Especially if you come from the Bible Belt. You know what I'm saying? Or you come from old line Pentecostal thinking, or this, you know, you were raised in this stuff. Man, the versions of phony that Christians have perfected, it's truly an art form. Uh, and it's highly disturbing. All right? And they stay phony and they stay plastic and they're always wearing the little masks. And we encourage mask burning around here, okay? 
don't be wearing your stupid little mask. If your life is horrible, and I say, how you doing? Go, oh, praise the Lord, I'm blessed. Don't do that. Because you're a liar. All right? No, I'm speaking by faith. No, you're a liar. Because you're just hiding behind a little plastic thing so nobody looks cl- too close, right? A lot of the things that we say are polite ways of saying bug off. Right? As Christians, you can't say bug off because that's inappropriate. So we have our own versions of bug off. How you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. Which means bug off. Leave me alone. Because I'm not going to tell you how I'm really feeling. Don't do that. Be real with each other. Be now, obviously, if you don't know people, give them the praise the Lord version <laughs> so they bug off. But at some point, you've got to find people that you can be honest with. Sometimes life stinks. Has anybody been there? Raise your hand. Okay? Anybody still there? Hands, there's a few still up there, okay? I mean, it's just, sometimes life just stinks. The good news, we die, all right? <laughs> now, in the meanwhile, we will encourage you how to get over your struggles, but we can't do it. We, I can't pray for you if I don't know that you're struggling, right? At some point, you've got to tell somebody you're struggling and, and be open and honest. Let love be sincere. That's, I tell you, that's what I love about pastoring in Wisconsin. The weather is quite dreadful. Now, we're fortunate to have church tonight because last week it was so bad we shut down for all you people all over the world. Right now, the way the weather is outside these doors, most of you would still not go to church. <laughs> right? Most cities would still be shut down all over the world. There's ice and water, slick spots, and, ah! and Green Bay would just, and we drive. Because if we didn't go anywhere when it's like that, we'd never go anywhere. <laughs> but we get to the point where we stay home, man, it's really bad, all right? Last week was, was, was bad, so we said, well, I'm, it's not worth it. I, I don't want to die. So, uh, so, so the weather is, is quite dreadful and awful, and it, it is what it is. And, you know, our mountains are more like pimples, you know. We don't have, we don't have mountains. We don't have, you know... We got cows. We got, our, we got the bay, which is nice for us. Plus, with it comes a never-ending wind. <laughs> when my wife and I first came to Green Bay and we were first visiting, we noticed that. And we said to someone, is it always windy here? And they said, no, no, not at all. They lie, all right? And I said, well, don't you think it's kind of windy? And they're going, yeah, I guess it's a little windy right now. Of course, if you live with it 24-7, you don't notice it so much. But to us, we thought, oh, it's just unusual. So we finally moved to Green Bay. Three months later, we looked at each other. They lied. Because it never stops, right? We got the nice water, but we're constantly. Whenever we go back to Stevens Point or something, the, I promise you, the first thing I notice is I can step outside, and the wind is knocking you over. And I go, Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. The bummer is you don't have all the water. So we have the water. I like the water. I got a boat, but then it's impossible to park the boat because the <laughs> wind is going constantly. <laughs> so anyway, so people say, why do you live up there? Why? Because I love the people. They're the most honest, sincere people. If there's a group of people that I have met all over the world that seems to get this idea of sincerity it's Wisconsin people. I don't know why. Maybe the weather makes us crazy and we just, we don't have the time to be phony. 
because the wind's gonna knock us over, you know, and we don't, we don't have time to explain it. We're, just, we're right to the point. And, and I like that, you know? I appreciate all y'all in the Bible, but you know what I'm talking about. If somebody really likes you, they'll say, well, bless your heart. And if they hate your guts, they'll say, bless your heart. And if you feel a stabbing knife in the back, there'll be somebody going, bless your heart. Well, they're stabbing you. It's like, I hate that. Because you can't tell. Do they like me or not? I can't tell. They smiled at me. That don't mean Jack, all right? So uh, don't write me, all right? So, so that there's this version of insincere Christianity where it's all about appearances and stuff like that. And this is a big deal. I promise you, I promise you, there are thousands of churches all across America who are learning today that Bobby and Susie, one of the key couples in their church, is getting a divorce. And they're all shocked, and everyone will say, man, I didn't even know they are having any problems. Well, how does that happen? Phony Christianity. See, everybody's wearing the mask, everybody's playing the games and stuff like that. Don't do that, okay? Now, your whole life might fall apart, but at least be honest about it. Give people an opportunity to pray for you. You know, trust that God will turn situations around. So he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. The Amplified says, hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness and turn in horror from wickedness. Nasty stuff should really gross us out. All right. But hold fast, grab hold of what is good. That should be the natural reaction from a Christian. The more that you grow in your faith, at some point, things that used to, you never thought anything about it, now it starts to, oh man, right? You start pulling away, wow. You see people talk the way they talk to each other and you're just, wow, you're shocked by it. And so, because you start to change. You start to be more, more walking like a child of light than the child of darkness, all right? When you're in darkness, you don't notice it much. But the more you walk in the light, the more you should grow and start to pull more away from, have more of a a negative response to things that are bad, evil, hate, intolerance, all the different things that go on. That should be our knee-jerk reaction to stuff. Hate, loathe, recoil from things that are evil and hang on intentionally to what is good. The next one, be devoted to one another in love. That's another hard one. Amplified Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Ooh, isn't that good? Be devoted to one another, love, honor one another above yourselves. So the whole verse here, these guys have it written out as one sentence. Maybe it was more like that originally written. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. That, that alone, who has time to argue about the rapture? Good grief. This, loving people as members of a family, and that should be our our mentality. And again, that's something I really appreciate about uh, our church here is we try to really foster an atmosphere of family. At some point, you know, you get close to people, your family become really, you know, in Christian terms, we say brother, call each other brother and sister, but it should really start to feel that way, all right? At some level, your kids should have all kinds of aunts and uncles, right? And all kinds of cousins. And, and Joe and I are the grandpas, you know, we're the geezers, you know, and, and Lathan's the great-great-grandpa, you know, so, 
So <laughs> he shall all shut up. So uh, actually, you're older than he is, isn't he? <laughs> Joe's older than Nathan. <laughs> you are the geezer. Uh, well, I'm right behind you, like what, all of three years, two years. Anyway. So, uh, so family, being a family. And you know what family is? Family, you stick with each other. Even though at times you can barely stand each other. Anybody got family like that? You know, we all got the crazy somebody in the basement that comes out of the basement. You know what I'm saying? And, all right. You know, what do you do? You're family. You know, you're family. Even when you're not getting along, there's still family. You should be able to go to each other, encourage one another, help each other, be there for each other. So well, I don't agree with everything they say, think, or do. Well, nobody does. You know? Now, if they're doing something really destructive, then tough love kicks in. That's a whole different teaching. Uh, but short of you know, something really bad you're doing that people got to kind of leave you hanging and twisting in the wind, which then those people yell, they don't love me, but that's really a tough version of love. But short of that, we should be there for each other and encourage one another. Okay? Uh, I like this one. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I'm just curious how many people even catch what some of these words mean today. Uh, what does it mean to have zeal? Um, the, uh, N, uh, the Amplified Version says, Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit. Serving the Lord. That's where you get uh, evangelical phrases like, you know, being on fire for Jesus. Okay, I don't know if you've heard phrases like that. Some of you knew this though. But that's what it means. You're just, you're just, you're burning, man. You're going, whoa! And you're really intense and excited about your faith. That's where you want to be. That's where Paul says, man, make sure that you stay there. Now, here's the thing with fire. It is the tendency of fire to go out. Always has been, always will be. You know, we were just up in uh, Eagle River. Wonderful guy in the church here let us stay, stay at his cabin. And we, and we had a fireplace. And I like real fireplace. We got the pretend fireplace at my house. You know, set the fireplace, okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's not my favorite, you know. I like the real ones. It's just they're a mess. But it's so much fun. And, but if you don't keep feeding it, it goes out. It just goes out. As long as you keep feeding it, man, it'll keep... So the same is true in our faith. Your excitement, your intensity for Jesus is the result of intentionality. Those of you listening to me tonight are the kind of people in our congregation, our campuses and stuff like that, that are intentional about your faith. How can I tell? Because you're here. You're not just the Sunday morning group. Not to slam just the Sunday morning group, but the reality is a lot of them, they don't burn like they should because they let life get in the way of their faith. That's something the Bible warns. Jesus warned us in so many words. Don't let life suck the life out of you. And uh, you got to be intentional. And I promise you, if you stop doing what you're doing, you stop going to church every Sunday, you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to Bible study, you stop doing the things that you do, a year from now, you're a different you. We've all seen this, right? You know people that, that have been real on fire for the Lord and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you run into them like a year later or something like that, and it's like, you know, they're not the same person. They're just, they're just not on fire for Jesus anymore. They, they can't even explain why. I'll tell you the why, because they quit doing 
the right things. A lot of them just run on, uh, on the excitement, the early excitement of their faith. Let's face it, when you first encounter Jesus, it's kind of a rush. It's neat. It's cool. But a lot of people, their excitement stays real high there. For some, it might last a matter of weeks, some a month, some a year, year and a half. But at some point, if they're not doing anything else, it starts to go out. And they're not excited about much anything from a spiritual standpoint. You want to keep your zeal up, okay? Uh, and you do it intentionally. If you feed the fire, it will burn very bright in you. Bright enough that other people will notice it in you. All right? But it happens on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. And, th and that's what Paul is trying to encourage people here. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Uh, chapter, the next one says, be joyful in hope. Uh, Amplified says, rejoice and exult in hope. What does it mean to be joyful in hope? I shared this story, you know, a few weeks ago when we were talking last, I thought it did here. <laughs> it all becomes a blur. <laughs> but by the time I was really in trouble and I needed money and I had to call my mom, you know, she said, don't worry about it. I'll send you the money. Well, immediately I was calm. I was peaceful. I was joyful. Woohoo! Mom is sending the money. Praise the Lord. Now, did I have the money yet? No. Well, why am I joyful? I'm joyful in hope. Hope is the assurance of what you have yet to receive. See, I trusted mom. If mom said the money, she was, the money would come. And it did. And it was, I was very happy to see it. But I didn't need to wait to see it before I was happy. I immediately was happy because I trusted her word. The same is scripturally, where you run into the promises of God and they become very real to you and you celebrate even that which you don't have yet. It's called being joyful in hope. Do you have it? Nope. Are you gonna get it? No doubt. No doubt. Which you, it helps you to be in a place of, of happiness and joy. Uh, don't be too caught up in what your circumstances do. If your circumstances are, a lot of people, if their circumstances are good, they're good. If their circumstances are up, they're up. Uh, if their circumstances are down, they're down. You know? Uh, I remember some years ago, we were, uh, first time we were in Green Bay, and we were trying to sell our house. And, and people, I've been in this situation more than once, <laughs> but we couldn't sell the stupid house. Stupid house wouldn't sell. And I had so many people come up to me and say, they're just being nice. They're being empathetic, and, we're, and, and he encourages us to be empathetic. We'll get to it in just a little bit. But I don't know. It kind of creeped me out because they go, oh, man, you, you must be so discouraged because your house hasn't sold. And I just look at him and go, no. It's just a stupid house. If it sells, great. If it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then when it finally sold, people come around, you must be so excited that your house sold. And I went, uh, No. I don't react to those kinds of things. I stay in a place of joyful hope regardless of the external. Now, if one of you gives me a million bucks, I'll probably have a pretty happy day. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to say I'm immune to that. I'm just saying, generally speaking, my circumstance. Now, we do. We all have our moments, right? Something really nasty happens. You know, I'm, I'm intolerable for 24 hours. You know? But I pull myself out. I don't stay there. I don't stay there. I refuse to stay there. All right? We walk in joy, we walk in peace, we walk in hope. Because the Bible says, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Patient in suffering and tribulation. Uh, that's hard, you know. 
Uh, nobody likes to suffer. I don't even like to be inconvenienced. <laughs> I don't. It's highly irritating to me. Really? You can't bring my fries faster than this. So, you know, it's been five minutes. I'm still sitting at the drive-in. Come on! It gets on my nerves, all right? But I have to get over it. You're supposed to be patient in affliction. Here's the thing. What is patient in affliction? How can you be patient in affliction? Because you're joyful in hope. Right? The answer is coming. Has it come yet? No. That means your life stinks right now. Yep. How come you're not upset? Because I'm patient. Why? Because the check's in the mail. See? The answer is coming. We celebrate the, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, if some of y'all get this, it would change your life forever. You know what real praise is? Praise is celebrating the answer before you get it, to a great degree. Praise is also thanking God for what you have. But I'm just saying, part of the thing of the power of praise is when you can celebrate, you can thank God, you can bless him, you can sing to him, and just, because you know he's heard you and that the answer, he's going to turn your situation around. Even though you don't, you don't know how, even though the answer hasn't come yet, but now you can be patient in affliction. Right? Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm lost. Where was I? <laughs> okay. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Verse 11, right? Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the, in the necessities of the saints. Now, those of you who come from a very Catholic background or any kind of background that's into the whole class of saints, that there's these ultra-holy people that have their own... The church, hundreds of years later, came up with that category. In the New Testament, all Christians were referred to as saints. It is what it is. It wasn't a special category of people. Every, it was just, it's just what they were referred to. When they talk about fellowshipping with each other, encouraging the Christians, your brothers and sisters, the saints. These are all the saints. Make sure you're hanging out with the saints, okay? That's what uh, he's talking about, to share in the necessities of the saints. Contribute to God's, to the needs of others. Look for people who are in need. Can you help? All right? Can you help? Look, I, just, I just thought of... James. Where is James? <laughs> it's not in order. Right after Hebrews. If you have Hebrews, get to Hebrews and take a right. All right? Um, okay. So he's, he's talking about uh, faith and, and what's real faith. And he says, what good is it, brother? This is in uh, James, the second chapter Verse 14, what good is it if someone claims they have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you goes to them and says, go in peace, man. Keep warm and well fed. God bless you. We're behind you. You're so far behind, you can't even see him, right? What good is that? You know, you see someone who's really hurting, and you can do something about it, and your response is, well, you know, I'll pray for you. Makes you a big fat jerk. Now, if you can't help them, then your prayer is sincere. I need to pray for you. You know, let me pray for you and, 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 and trust God. I, I can't help. You know, and it varies. You know, if you need a new house, I'm, I'm praying for you. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't have enough gas 
to get home tonight, I need to cough up 20, 40 bucks. And I can. Now, if you can't, well, then you pray for him. Or go talk to Pastor Mark. <laughs> he says he's got 40 bucks on him, you know. So, but, but that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. You see someone with a need, help them. Look for ways that you can bless people, you know. Now, you got to be smart about it, too. I mean, some people will literally run themselves into the poorhouse because all they're doing is giving away money to everybody else who's hurting. So, you know, you got to balance it out. I can't make those calls for everybody. But the reality is, if you find someone who's in need, and if you can, help them. It does no good. You see someone who's hungry, and you say, man, you know, God, God bless you. God bless you. You're hungry. Just... God bless you. We're going to pray for you tonight over dinner. <laughs> right? So, but then again, how can you even find out about each other's needs? You got to get connected. You have to meet each other. You know, we should be a strong enough community that no one should ever lack for basic necessities, okay? I ain't buying you a new car, all right? Even if I could. <laughs> get your own stinker car. But basic necessities, or maybe we get together and we find you a car that we can help you get, you know? You know, do what we can. But no one, no one here should be in a situation where, man, they're going to shut off my gas and, and this and that. Now, again, you got to be careful. As soon as I say that, all kinds of people come out of the woodwork and want us to help them. Uh, but number one, if you're not a member of this church, we don't do that. There's the Salvation Army. There's all kinds of other things and stuff like that. But you're a member of this church, those are the people that we help. If you're in trouble and you're a member of this church, we will do whatever we can to try and help you through. That's a biblical concept. Uh, otherwise, people just come and they just you know, suck the life out of everybody. I always tell people, it's not right for me to give you money that I don't even know who you are and take the money that she gave in an offering and give it to you because you say you need some money. I don't even know. We get that all the time. Our phones ring all the time. People who are... They, they work the system. They walk, work all the churches in town. And they call, and I need this, and I need this, and they call us, and we say, no. Who are you? You come to this church here? Well, I went there three times once. No. You know, if you're a member of this church. And, and really, it shouldn't even be so much an institutional thing as it should be people helping people, right? If you find out somebody has a need, we don't need to run it through the church deal. I mean, sometimes if that's all we can do, then, then we can do that. But again, basic needs, way, you know, you got, you know, try and be honest with each other. Man, my, my refrigerator broke. Oh, I got an extra one. Stuff like that, you know, where you can just kind of help there and, and be with each other and encourage each other. And... Speaking of which, what happened to your car? <laughs> Did you ever fix that stupid thing? It's still being worked on? Well, they're ordering it. All right. If you don't tell me, I can't help you. All right? I told you I'd help you. Then you disappear. I figured somebody kidnapped you. I don't know what happened. All right? <laughs> I don't mean to embarrass her. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do, right? She, in passing, said she had this stupid thing in the car. She's got to fix it. She didn't have the money. I said, how much is it? She said, blah, blah. Give me the bill. I'll fix it. Praise the Lord. Why? It doesn't make me anything. It's just, and the truth of the matter is, you know, never mind. 
I get myself in trouble. It's fine. Let's be there for each other. Someone say amen. amen. That's what it means, all right? Here's the next one. So it says, share, in the Lord, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Amplified says, pursue the practice of hospitality. That's the word they add to say to really try and catch what the original language says. To be really intentional to practice hospitality. Now, here's the thing. Some of y'all love to be hospitable. And you're wired that way. You just love it. You love to invite people over, and you just love to do this, and you love to do that, and others of you would rather choke on a goat. (laughs) But the reality is this is for everybody. We're supposed to practice, intentionally pursue the practice of hospitality, which means opening your home, inviting people over and stuff. And I know, look, (sighs) when the Bible says rejoice in the Lord, That's just not for the people who are naturally happy. Right? There are people who are naturally happy. They're always happy. I kind of tend to be that way anyway, which is borderline crazy, right? Crazy people are always happy. They don't know they're not, they don't know they're crazy. Don't tell them, you've ruined everything for them. You know what I'm saying? So those people, they're just kind of always up and bubbly. The Bible says, Royce and Lord, woo! Well, that's not just for the people that comes easy to. Okay, we're all supposed to be that way. Uh, This verse, as a Christian, we're supposed to pursue hospitality isn't just for, and every church has those scattering of people. We love them. Y'all are nuts. Always inviting people over. Always, you know, just the social butterflies. And we think, okay, that's taken care of. No, 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 no. You need to practice hospitality. Oh, I don't want to. Good. That's why you should do it. Right? You need to practice. You know how you, you learn how to play? The, pra- the piano, you practice. I never practice. I never do anymore. Do you practice anymore? Very little, Very little yeah. We're geezers, all right? But if I throw a guitar to him, he can play. I said, I play, man. Half the time when I'm playing a new song, if we're playing a new song in church, you see me up there playing? I'm hearing it the first time you're hearing it. I don't even come to the practices before the service. Well, how can you do it? Well, I got good at it. I can do that, okay? But for people who aren't good at it, you have to practice. You have to work. So when says practice hospitality, he's not talking to people who are just naturally good at it. He's talking to people that kind of suck at it. It's people who suck, who need to practice so that you don't suck anymore, right? So practice hospitality. Invite people. I don't like to invite people over. Good. Good. This verse is for you. Well, I don't want to leave a mess. I got to clean up afterwards. Great. Put your husband to work. You know, figure it out. But this is what we're supposed to be doing. If it's just a matter of, well, yeah, I'm not good at that. You know, I, you know, I don't like that one. I don't like this one. I kind of like that one, you know. The Bible, you, you can't, it's not a smorgasbord. Right? You've been to smorgasbords, right? What is that place in town that is a big... What's it called? Golden Corral. All right, yeah, that's a... You know, it's quite the trough, all right? <laughs> so it's, it's like, seriously, you're going to eat all of that? But, you know, the nice thing about a smorgasbord is, oh, I like that, and ooh, that grosses me out, and ooh, that's nice, and 
I like that one. And, and I was, you know, okay, I get that. That's fine. You can do that all day long with your smorgasbord. But you can't do that with the Bible. You can't go, oh, I like that part of the Bible. And oh, I don't like that one. And, and this is okay. And oh, that creeps me out. And, and that's good. And just, no, we got to do it all. Some of it is hard for us. There's areas that are hard for me uh, that are easy for some of you. But I can't neglect what is hard for me. There's parts that are easy for me. Uh, and say, well, it's easy for him, but, but you can't neglect it because it's not easy for you, okay? You're getting it, right? It's not rocket science. All right, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Well, that's hard. <laughs> right? Because you just want to smack people upside the head. Um, bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude toward you. Well, that gets a little clearer because most Christians aren't really under persecution per se like other parts of the world. But we have people who are cruel in their attitude towards us. Uh, bless them. Uh, don't, don't curse them. Uh, be nice to people who are intentionally not nice to you. Uh, and that happens a lot. I know a lot of you guys, you know, you, you have jobs where they know you're a Christian for either they figure it out or you told them or whatever and they're just mean to you. You know, what should you do? Be nice to them. It's hard, but it's just be nice. Bless them. Be as kind as you can to them. And don't whine and moan, oh, I'm being persecuted as a Christian. You know, just, okay, I mean, if that's the case, and you might have a legal case or something, but by and large, just be nice back. and Be kind, and you'd be surprised. I remember I, I had a job once. What was that? For, what was it? Figgies. You guys know figgies? This is down in southern Wisconsin. It's, it's like a gift packaging thing. They sell cheese. All so I worked at Figgies in Monroe, Wisconsin. Anyway, so uh, and that, that was my job, right? That's, you know, everybody's got their job and it's, you know, it's not exactly intellectually challenging. It's a job. You got to just put this box over there, take that box, put it over there. But anyway, so uh, there was uh, like three or four girls that worked around me that just hated my guts. And they were so mean. They were so mean because they knew who I was. And uh, I was a Christian. They called me, preacher. Hey, preacher. It'd be some derogatory or insulting or some obscene things. Girls can be really bad. <laughs> you know, I, that whole sugar and spice thing, you know, some of them, it turned into, you know, pepper and, and hot sauce because they didn't very, the sugar, they just nasty, nasty mouths, nasty this, nasty, just constantly sticking at me, sticking and, uh, uh, and it was just every day, every day, every day. So one day after work, I went down and I went to a florist and I ordered flowers and I had them delivered to work the next day for these four little hellions. <laughs> and uh, so we're working all of a sudden this way. Flowers are so so. They go, oh, ha, ha, I wonder who that is. Oh, they're so excited. So they're calling all the friends. Did you send me flowers? Did you send me flowers? Did you send me flowers? And, you know, later in the day, they're going, who sent us these stupid flowers? And I said, oh, I did. They were never mean to me again. I said, just be nice. Just be nice to them back. They didn't have, why would you say that? Oh, they would be nice. That's all. People, you know, anyway. Now, it's not always a positive outcome. <laughs> Sometimes they still hate your guts even more. But uh, do the best you can. Although, I will say this. If you are in a hellish situation, uh, you know, pray for another job. Get out of there. All right? 
Jesus said, if they're persecuting you in one city, go to the next. You know, um, there's people who will dislike you and stuff. It is what it is and, and bless them back and be as kind as you can. But at some point where it really gets heavy, just go and find something else. All right, uh, and here's that thing I was talking about, empathy. You know, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Um, amplified, rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy, and weep with those who weep, sharing in others' grief. And that basically is just being empathetic, you know, feeling what other people feel. Uh, some of you, again, are naturally gifted at that. But this isn't written to people who are naturally gifted at it. It's written to people like me, who are not particular. I, you know, I struggle with this. It's hard. I don't really feel what other people feel. I'm just, just enjoying what I feel. <laughs> Somebody starts crying. Oh, that's too bad. You know, <laughs> I, I need to be more empathetic, right? I need to, and so I got to work at it and, and, and connect. And, and it's, it's easy to once you start doing it. Uh, but those kinds of verses, yep, it's talking to Marky there. Try and feel what other people feel. Obviously, I'm good on the joyful side. It's, it's uh, the crying side I'm not, I'm not so good at. But I need to work on it. Here's an important one. Live in harmony with each other. You see how exhausting this is already? <laughs> I mean, why would you argue about predestination? Who cares? How about can you just get along with people? No, that's a little hard. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Amplified. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish. All right? High-minded, exclusive. But readily adjust yourself to people and to things and to give yourselves to humble tasks. You know, and I, I talk about this. I've talked about this many times over the years. You know, the reason why, and it's just, it is what it is. The reason why a lot of people don't serve more in church because virtually everything you do in church is insulting. I mean, it's, it's, it's below your, I mean, if you got a PhD and we give you, you come to us and say, how can I serve in the church? I say, here, open this door for people as they walk in. That's not particularly challenging to someone who's highly educated. Or we have something really exciting, pouring wine into little plastic cups. You know, that, that'll get your education going, right? I mean, I mean, changing poopy divers. Ooh, oh. So there's not so many things. Ushering and carrying stuff. And that's why it's called service. You're serving people. And be willing to step down from the mountain, Okay. We get it, get it that you're a highly successful man, highly successful woman, you know, uh, but be willing to do simple things. And, and I get it. What's great about it is, is we get a lot of that here at Celebration Church. I loved it when we were doing this uh, thing with Jimmy Bratcher for the, at the Sturgis rally. I literally just needed guys who were twice my size, which is pretty easy because I'm not very big. By the way, I did a wedding a wedding on Saturday, and they were all really tall. And in the pictures and the, the weddings, I, I look like a hobbit. I do, I do, it's like, it's Frodo. Frodo, Frodo is marrying the people. And it's, my wife was laughing hysterically. She goes, ha, ha, look at this! And like, here they are. 
and it's like this little tiny guy down here. Like, it was horrible. Apparently, I'm not a big man. So anyway, so I asked guys, you know, hey, I need some guys with just strong backs, and boom. We had more than we could, it was filled up right away. These are guys that are way more educated than needing to just carry stuff. But they came to serve. Servant opportunities, you know, so they could bless others. And it was great, and they were blessed doing it. Frodo. Man, so embarrassing. They were tall, though. Wow. And they're... It was like the whole family was tall. It was like from the tall family. Where's Heather? Is she here? Did she backslide? I don't see her. Okay. So Heather, you guys know Heather Gramps, right? She's not all that tall. But her brothers are like, holy moly. So everywhere I went, there's like these tall people everywhere. I they move like trees, all these people. And just... Okay, shut up, Gunger. Just move on. Where am I? I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, don't be conceited, okay? Uh, do not repay evil for evil. Right? That's hard. You, you screw me over, I'm going to screw you over right back, right? How do you hold back on that one? It's called grace. It's called love. It's called patience. Man, don't repay evil for evil. But they did it to me. I know. Chill. All right? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's kind of hard. Trust me. <laughs> you know, you can't please everyone, but just make your best effort. You know, those people will get mad about everything. Um, verse 18, check this one out. Uh, if it is possible, and I appreciate him putting that phrase in there, because for some people, it's just not possible, right? It says, it's as much possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, the pastor, I can't with some people. Well, that's because in your case, it's not possible. <laughs> Because some people are just incomparable monsters. They are. They're awful. And some of them are Christians. And they just, they get so mad about stuff. And they get so ticked off. And, you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We went through this already. But 1 Corinthians, you know, about Christians suing each other. You know, don't be doing it. One of the, one of the bad things, actually, I almost, I almost kind of dread when I find out Christians are in business with each other, all right? Because nothing makes you crazy like money. Oh, man. You want to see the wars come out in people? Just give them some money. Fight over money. You get family members. You think they all like each other? You throw some money. Have somebody die, and they fight over the, the remains. It's like throwing a piece of meat to a bunch of wild dogs in the middle of the and they all go crazy and stuff like that. And Christians are going business with each other and they go south and somebody feels somebody else screwed them over. Man, do they lose it, you know? Do I think you should avoid doing business with Christians? I do not. What I think you should be is be willing to take a loss if push comes to shove. Somebody say amen. Pastor, don't be suing each other. Christians should be suing each other. Why not rather take the loss? Well, I want to take a loss. It's not fair. Nobody said life was fair. All right? Um, particularly with other Christians. If you're the kind of person who can't handle that, then, then don't, don't do business with other Christians. At some point, people are going to do things that tick you off. 
And I hear these people, you know, they claim to be Christians. If they were really Christians, they're a bunch of hypocrites and phonies. No, you're a jerk. Stop it. You can't handle taking a loss. Well, well yeah, but that's $5,000. I don't care. Well, it's $50,000. Well, I don't care. Well, I lost $150,000. Listen, if you can afford to lose $150,000, I don't care. You ever write somebody a check for $150,000? I know, just, just, not me. I ain't got that kind of jack, Jack. If I got that kind of jack and I lose it, praise the Lord I had that much jack. Jack. <laughs> so as is possible, be peace with everybody. There's no reason to go to war with everybody all the time. And then this one, a pretty, oh, did I give you the, that uh, was the same. Uh, this one, do not take revenge, my dear brothers, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> uh, but what he's really saying is, let's let God deal with it. Let God deal with him. Why did God deal with that person? Because you keep getting in the way. It's true. You would think, well, man, God should really take that guy to task for what he did to me. Well, he can't. Why? Because you can't let it go. You get in the way, God can't do anything. It's the way it works. You want God to deal with somebody? You got to let it go. Let it go. Be willing to take the loss. Do whatever it takes. Uh, and try and be as, as peace as you can. And let God deal with them. And then finally, uh, verse... 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amplified, do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome and master evil with doing good. All right, pretty cool. Uh, so just that stuff right there, man. You could spend forever working on that stuff. That's practical Christianity. See, Christianity is really rather simple, but yet incredibly difficult at the same time. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. It's not easy to forgive people. It's not easy to let go. It's not easy to do something you're uncomfortable with, getting out of your comfort zone. Not easy to invite people to your house when you can't stand people. Right? It's not easy to forgive people if you're not the kind of person who forgives. Not easy to be empathetic if you're not by nature empathetic but yet we're challenged to do these things he's really challenging us to get out of our comfort zone it doesn't matter what comes naturally to you it's about being intentional to do what's right and he just laid out to us what's right people get really strug struggle with the whole will of god what's the will of god you know i need to know the pastor tell me what the will of god is i am of the personal opinion that what you do in life by and large god doesn't really care that's my personal opinion sue me no you can't it's supposed to sue me uh, but you know what I'm saying? I, I just don't think, I, whether you work at McDonald's or Burger King, I don't think God gives 10 cents. I don't think he cares. If you work at this company or move to, uh, to appear in, at another company, I, I just don't. Now, if he has a specific plan for you, he will make that clear to you. And then if, if there's a reason he wants to do something. But a lot of life, you choose. You choose. We need to get comf comfortable with our choices. That's why there's a judgment day. If everything is just about you just doing what God tells you to do, well, how can there be a judgment day? Well, I guess judge whether or not you did it or not. But that, that's, he's not into the robot type of experience. 
He wants people who love him and out of a pure heart serve him. But you want to know what the will of God is? We just went over the will of God right there. That's the will. What do you, what do you, what do you think God wants me to do, Pastor? Here. He wants you to be sincere in the way you love people. Be devoted to others. Honor others more above yourself. Keep your spiritual fervor. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. I skipped that one. I thought I hit it. Faithful in prayer. Does that mean consistent? Be consistent in your prayer life. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That is the will of God. That's what you need to focus on. That's what God wants you to do. If he wants you to move somewhere or get it healed, he's a big boy, okay? He'll let you, don't ever get all stressed out about this whole will of God thing. I don't understand people, well, I, I, only because the preachers have preached that it's some mystery that you gotta unravel. You know, I, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Why would God not tell you what he wants you to do? It doesn't make sense. Well, he wants me to seek you. Have you been seeking him? I've been seeking him for 23 years. That's insane. If you want someone to do something, do you tell them or do you wait for them to come and seek you? If you own a business, do you tell people what you want them to do or do you wait for them to seek? Ashley, you didn't seek me today. You don't know what I was desiring in my heart for you to do. I tell her what to do. <laughs> Call these people. Do this, do whatever. And if not me, somebody else tells her what to do. <laughs> That's their job. We tell you. Your kids. Do you tell your kids what you want them to do? Or do you wait for them to seek your face? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Of course you tell them. Stop that. Pick up your underwear. It's not a flag. Put it away. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to be clear and good to your children, what do you think God is? Of course, don't get all stressed out. Say, well, I want to know the will of God. I just read to you the will of God. Focus on that stuff. Focus on that. You start living the kind of life. You start being. What God's will is for what you need to be, the kind of person you need to be, and how you need to live your life. The hard details of what I do or where I work, what kind of car I buy, I don't think God really cares. And if he does, he's a big boy. He will tell you. Because that's what he does. Good preaching, Pastor Mark. All right, let's see. Yeah, the, he's such a hog. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word and for your truth. Uh, a lot easier to talk about than to live. But we need to talk about it and challenge each other. I get challenged every time I prepare for these studies. Uh, as, as much as doing this for 40-some, five, six years, I read verses like this and I go, ugh, oh, I need to work on that. I need to work on this. We need to constantly be reminded about basic Christian love, basic faithfulness, basic kindness. Help us to be the kind of people who can do these things and to focus on being the right kind of person. Help us not to be obsessed and fearful about what decisions to make this way or the other, to trust you, to pray about everything, but to trust you and help our focus to be on living the kind of life you want us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Drive safely. See you all next week.